0: Good brother Vernon and my best friend Vernon has told you during this long stretch of the rest of the year, we're going to be talking about the very practical fields of ministry. That is the places where God can have you be salt and light to the world. And being salt and light to the world simply means revealing his character, revealing his nature. Now, we began last week at the logical place, your first Place of ministry is to your family. And we will go in concentric circles out from there, but we we, we began with marriage, the most most, uh, intimate relationship of all. And we talked about mutual submission. You remember the meaning of submission. Submission literally is a word that can be broken down into two parts. Sub meaning under, mission. That is, submission means to go underneath somebody else's mission and lift it up see what you can help them accomplish submission means that you help someone else accomplish what's important to them that's submission now this week we're going to go, come from the opposite direction last week we came from the bottom up this week we're coming from the top down or we're coming with proper authority now <clears throat> i realize that this is not a popular subject how to exercise authority People are very suspicious of authority. We have been since the 60s. And so this is something I need to do a little motivation here. Because many people are very reluctant to exercise authority whatsoever. And one of the reasons that we're having that 6 uh, o'clock Tuesday night daily where Becky and I are going to be more specific about the principles of raising kids, Uh, all of ours are are raised, and so we've kind of been through all the stages and... uh, uh, but but I just realized Saturday morning, yesterday morning, man, I can't get, I haven't got room for the practical stuff and the motivational stuff, and they got to have both. And so we called this at the very last moment. That's why there's not childcare. I'm sorry about that, but there will be tapes. Don't feel bad if you can't come because we'll tape the thing. Um, um, but if you if you got some, we'll try to we'll try to do this in like half hour, forty five minutes, and then you can play stump the pastor. Yeah, but you don't know my kids. so so we'll, we'll try to do that. But but the point is we got to spend some time just reestablishing the need and the, and, and the motivation and telling you why you need to exercise authority. And one of the things you, you realize as kids grow older, you'll have to answer, you'll have to give them the philosophical basis for you, give them the details. Because uh, they're going to want to know why. Now, is there a need for authority? Is there a need for people to see parents and their bosses in positions of authority. Well, let me give you a, a, a true uh, um, illustration of this. There was a survey taken recently of 400 high school boys and 400 high school girls. And they, uh, the question was, what are the most desirable qualities in a dad? You ready for this? Number one, most desirable quality in a dad that he respect the wishes of his children and stop nagging them. Number two, most desirable quality of a dad, that he have lots of money. I'm not kidding you. Is... Number three, most desirable quality of a dad, that he dress well. And number four, most desirable quality of a dad, that he have a nice car. Those were the top four most desirable quality. Now, let me ask you, do you think we need a little bit more than that out of the authorities in our life, Uh, to look to them for a little bit more. Well, I believe we do. And if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we will continue with Paul's outline of spiritual maturity. It begins by saying this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now I want you to notice a couple of things here. First of all, I want you to notice that he's addressing children. I want you to understand that it's important for children to hear the Word of God. And Paul addresses them in his epistle. I love it when parents bring their kids to church. I mean early on. And I love it as long as... as, Now I know there are different circumstances. But... You gotta realize this is Northern. We we don't we work very hard not to make the sermons rocket science. Well, actually, it's not too much too hard for us because we're not we're pretty simple people ourselves. So it's not too they're very simple concepts here, and you never know when a kid's gonna pick up something, and he certainly can pick up the, the room being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul included children in the instruction. Children, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, obedience is behavioral. We're going to get to honor. We're going to get to the other part in a minute. But but obedience is, is, is honorable. Now, he is assuming here that the parents are exercising authority or there wouldn't be any need for obedience, right? He's assuming that the parents are exercising the need for authority. Why? Why is that needed? Because as it says in the curriculum for this week, especially in the adult section... How you relate to your parents has a good deal to how you will relate to the Lord. I want you to listen to that, parents. Parents, how you allow your children to treat you will have a giant impact on how they will treat the Lord. The respect that you demand from them has everything to do with the reverence that they will give to the Lord later on. As a matter of fact, It has everything to do with how they will treat everybody else. You know what? Let me just give you a little little bit uh, harder push here. I see some of these young girls in in the the sanctuary, and I know you're dating, and I'm glad for you. Congratulations. Let Let me tell you, though, something very important to look for in a man. Watch how he treats his mother. Watch how he treats his mother. Because if he treats his mother disrespectfully, I want you to know you can be guaranteed on down the line he's going to treat you disrespectfully. Do you really think that he's going to say bad things about his mother but yet always lift you up? Mm -mm. No, there's a habit developed there. So how kids treat their parents has everything to do with both their vertical and horizontal relationships. Now... It says, Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean just obey Christian parents. You are always to obey parents, whether they're Christians or not, unless they tell you something that would make you go against the Lord. And then, just like in civil government, you have the option of obeying, you you have the orders of obeying God rather than men. But that's very, very seldom that parents would do that or government would do that. So it is good to be obedient because in that you are being obedient to the Lord. When you are obedient to your parents, when you are obedient to the government, then you are being obedient to the Lord and you are practicing what will give you a sense of authority and hierarchy and transcendence in this world. Now why is that important? Well, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says this. And we can see it from the survey that I just quoted. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I hope you don't expect your children to come out mature or loving or giving. No, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But it says, watch this, the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. Now I want you to think of a rod not just as something that you can hit people with. I want you to think of a rod as something that is straight and will help keep you straight. Why do you think it is that the Lord gave us hundreds of years of the law before Jesus Christ ever revealed the extent of God's grace? Do you think it was only so that we could feel inadequate and know how badly we would fail the law? No, that is a result, and that's certainly what happened, and that was one of the reasons that nobody can accomplish the law on their own. Nobody can be good on their own. But there was another reason for that. To teach us that the law, i.e. the Ten Commandments, God gave to us as a gift in order to, that we could have healthy relationships. In order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have a standard that's beyond the relationship. God gave us that standard in the Ten Commandments, and if we live by those Ten Commandments, we'll be able to love better. As a matter of fact, we'll be able to love him better, first first four, and we'll be able to love others better, last six. Now, <clears throat> let me give an example of this. I used to live across the street from Francis Simon. Some of you have heard this story before. Francie Simon was a uh, uh, an old World War II vet that had a wooden leg. Boy, you talk about fascinating a, a young boy. You just, you just put somebody in a wooden leg around a young boy, and he just asked all kinds of questions. He said he got shot off in the war. And, and so, well, I just couldn't, I was so fascinated with that. And I'd go over, of course, you know, when you're young, you don't have much to do, so you go over and knock on the door for, Francie, what are you doing today? I just want to hang around you. You got a wooden leg. and <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And, uh, and he'd say, well, Joey, I'm going to work in my garden today. Well, he had this huge garden out back of his house. I said, well, can I help you? Now, I wasn't looking for the work. I knew that when he started working in a garden, he'd get hot and he'd take off his wooden leg. And that was just pretty cool to a kid. I just wanted to take off the wooden leg. Well, he'd go out and he'd, he, had, he had a lot of different things, but he had, he had tomato plants. And one of the things Francis Simon would always do is he'd put up a rod beside each tomato plant, a stick. And then he'd tie that tomato plant to that stick. Now, why did he do that? Just so that the tomato plant uh, uh, would be restricted, so that that it would feel uh, confined? No. He did it because he knew that in itself, that stem didn't have the sense to grow right. In itself, and in itself, that stem did not have the strength to support the fruit that it would bear. You see, when a tomato plant grows up and it gets those big old tomatoes, it just pff, goes over. And so, and so he knew that that thing needed the help of the rod standing beside it. Parents, I want you to know the same thing about your children. They, they don't have innately the sense to grow straight. They, they don't. And God has placed in them the tremendous potential. I mean giant spiritual fruit that's going to come out of their lives. But unless they have something strong right beside it, unless they have the teaching of proper authority, which is the vertical line, that fruit, that potential will pull them over. It'll absolutely destroy them. And so God gave us the honor of exercising authority, not so that we could confine. You don't, listen, legitimate authority hates to exercise authority. You know that? Nobody placed in a position of authority. Most of you are placed in some realm of authority. You either have children or grandchildren or you're an aunt or an uncle or you have uh, workers uh, that answer to you or you have friends that look to you uh, and respect you or or, or you, you are placed in some realm of authority. Now, I have seen the bumper sticker, and I'm sure you have too, that just says, question authority. comes from the 60s. It's okay. Question authority. I want to tell you something about legitimate authority. Nobody questions authority like legitimate authority. That is the people who are legitimate authorities don't want to be in a position of exercising authority. They don't like it. They don't want to have to go there. But they will when it is necessary. Cuz they like playing boss? No. Because they realize that if they don't do that, those placed in their care will not have the support and the order in their life and the peace in their life and the structure in their life to support what God wants to produce in their life. They do it for the welfare of the people that God has given them uh, uh, to, to be over, so to speak. They do it not for control, but for prevention of destruction. And when we do not exercise the authority at proper times and in proper ways with proper motives, those given to us destroy themselves. So authority is absolutely necessary. And when Paul says, Children, obey your parents for its right, he starts down and he just says, he says something simple to kids. He's saying, if you're on this level, I want you to know, if you if this, if you don't read any further, I want you to, want you to, want you to understand this. You need to obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. If you can't understand anything more, you just understand that and do it. But in the second verse, he goes deeper. It says, Honor your father and mother. Which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Now now we're going deep. You see, honor is deeper than obedience. You can obey and have a, a bad attitude. But you can't, honor is an attitude. Honor is a, honor is a uh, uh, um, it's, it's not only an action, it is, a, is an aura. It's a desire. It comes from your heart. Is there ever a time when you stop obeying your parents? Sure it is. Sure there is. When you grow up, you stop obeying your parents. Is there ever a time when you stop honoring your parents? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Why? <clears throat> because this is something of your heart. This is something of your heart. Let me show you what God did in the Ten Commandments. When he said, for this is the first commandment with a promise, he didn't, he didn't mean that, the first commandment in an order, because there's another commandment with, with a promise of blessing uh, 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 unto thousands if you obey uh, God's commandments. So he didn't mean it was the first one. He meant, when Jesus, remember when Jesus came and they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. That's the first commandment, and the second is like unto it. No, that's not the first commandment in order, but Jesus is saying, this is an absolutely pivotal commandment. And when God placed, honor your father and mother in the middle of the Ten Commandments, the first set of commandments is for a vertical relationship. Those have to do with your relationship with God. The second set of of commandments has to do with your relationship with your fellow man. And right at at that point, at at what, what Paul would call the first point, or the pivotal point, is the commandment of honoring your father and mother. Because it will determine how you treat God and how you treat other people. Therefore, recognizing authority is the way to get well. Many of you are 12-step people, and you know the first three steps. The first step is, I recognize that at least this area of my life is totally out of control. I can't do anything about this. By the way, that's the beginning of the sinner's prayer. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner, and I can't do anything about it. And I can't earn heaven, and I don't deserve heaven. I am helpless. That's the first step. But you remember the second two steps? The second step is, I believe in a God that can do something about it. I believe in a God that has the power to set my life in order. And the third step is, I turn over my will and my life to that God. You see, getting well is a process of first arranging your vertical relationships, and then going out and dealing with with the rest of your relationships person to person <clears throat> now why is it necessary <clears throat> excuse me for you parents to make sure that these rules don't just con- don't just modify your children's behavior but it really goes to their heart tell you why because like Lamar Alexander, remember, remember Lamar Alexander, I think it was he was Reagan's uh, administ- uh, a, uh, Secretary of Education. Lamar Alexander was carrying his little girl around one day, and his little girl looked at him and said, Daddy, you know what? Someday, Daddy, I'm going to be too big for you to carry. I want you to remember those words. Someday, no matter who you're caring for right now, they're going to be too big for you to carry. They're going to be operating independently. <clears throat> someday you, who are the bosses of small companies, that company will be too big for you to carry. Someday, someday the, the, those, those uh, people who are exercising a, a certain realm of authority over certain people, those people will be too big for you to carry. And then they got to lean on the everlasting arms. In order to do that, you've got to see that something is in their heart that is not a visible thing. <clears throat> I was reading a book um, one time by Ken Davis. Ken, is, Ken used to be a, a youth minister, and he wrote several clever books. Uh, the first book I think he ever wrote was uh, to kids, and it said, and the title of it was "How to How to uh, Live with Your Parents Without Losing Your Mind." And the second, the second book was to parents, uh, and it, it, the title of it was "How to Live with Your Kids When You've Already Lost Your Mind." <clears throat> But he was, he was talking about when he took flying lessons. He loves to fly. And when he took beginning flying lessons, he, 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 he got to the stage where he was soloing. And his mentor, his teacher said, Ken, <clears throat> you're all ready to go. I just want to tell you one thing. Don't fly through a cloud. And he said, why not? And he said, because if you fly through a cloud, you won't know whether you're right side up or upside down. Well, David thought that was the stupidest thing he's ever heard in his life. He knew whether he was right side up or upside down since he was this high. So he's up there flying, and he just sees this little cloud. And he thought, I'm just going to try the thing. So he flies through this little cloud. Everything goes black. And his his heart starts to race. You know how it is when you're doing something you're not supposed to do. There's a little charge in it. And he comes out the other side of the cloud, and he's right side up. And he thinks, man, that was, kind of a, that was kind of a thrill. I kind of got juiced there. Well, he started playing around with the idea of going into a bigger cloud. He didn't say bigger clouds that day. But the next day when he went up, there was a huge cloud. So he's flying up by that cloud. He just kind of tips his wing in the edge of the cloud, you know. He's right side up. He's right side up. So he decides to take the dive. So he goes into this cloud. And he said his heart was just racing and his stomach was right up where his Adam's apple used to be. And then he said the weirdest thing happened. He said all of the pencils and books on the floor started floating about eye level. He said, that was a, I was so juiced. I was so charged. He said, it was so good. And, and then they went straight to the, to the, to the uh, ceiling like there was a magnet. And he said, when I came out of that cloud, I was totally upside down, and the airplane was spinning. And he said, it was everything I could do. He said, I know there were angels on those wings because it was everything I could do to get that airplane under control. I almost killed myself. He said, I came right back down, went to my instructor, didn't tell him what I'd done, just said, I want to learn instrument flying. (laughs) Now, why did he want to do that? Because he knew that as you are flying, you will not always be able to gauge where you are from what is visible. When your kids are in the world, they will not always be able to gauge where they are from what is visible. Right's going to seem wrong out there, and wrong is going to seem right. It's cloudy. There isn't great spiritual insight in this world. When Ken Davis learned to fly by instruments, this is what he could do. He could take off from Denver, he said, and he could go into clouds at 200 feet up, fly 500 miles, and pop back out of the clouds right in front of the runway that he wanted to land on, just from watching the instruments, because there was some internal gauge When you exercise authority, when you put authority into the heart of a child, they have internal gauges. They know what's right and what's wrong. They know what's up and what's down all the time, and they can get where they're going no matter where their eyesight goes to. Now let me tell you one more thing. Look at this last verse we got here. It says, And fathers, do not... Provoke your children to anger. Now, the Greek word here really could apply either to fathers or mothers, but probably fathers have a little bit more habit of doing this, you know, kind of getting a guy thing going there. So it says, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline. The Greek word here is the one from which we get the word uh, pedagogy, uh, and it means general education. General education. That is, tell them whatever they need to know and instruction. This is the word for training. Training. Remember in, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. You know what the word training refers to? It's the same word that you train an animal with. There's not a lot of intellect here. There's just habit over and over and over again. I'll teach you something Tuesday night about arguing with your children. Don't ever think you can win an argument with your kid. Ever. It's, it's called the broken record method of arguing. You just stick to your point and you say it again and again and again and again and again. That's how you train kids. You don't, you don't go, but Bobby didn't here's my point. But he didn't, that's not fair. Here's my point. But I, I, my leg hurt. Here's my point. See, training—it's just very methodical, sticking to the point. Training and instruction of the Lord. Now, here's the point of the sentence. It's there—the best thing you can do as parents. Is to, to make your kids understand that a lot of a lot of what you're training them in has not isn't personal. This isn't personal. As a matter of fact, some sometimes you can just say, you know what? I got to make this decision because I'm the dad or I'm the mom. I hate this. I hate this. I wish I wasn't. But God put me in this spot. It's my role. Got to do it. Somebody's got to make the call. That'd be me. Here's my call. This is not, not. It doesn't say you're a bad person. Doesn't say I can't trust you, although I don't. But, well, why would you trust? Why would you trust a 13-year-old when you can't trust yourself? And this has got nothing to do with their bad nature. It's got to do with human nature. I mean, I don't know how many of you understand our the depth of our sinfulness here. But you put way too much on a kid when she when he or she says, "Don't you trust me?" And you say, "Oh, of course I do." You do. Then you don't know what it is to be a sinful person or to have sinful thoughts. But all of us have this disease, you see. And so you're giving them, you're helping them here. And what you're saying is, it is the repeated habit of respect that you're building into them. You remember in the Old Testament when they had ceremonial law. Why do you think God instructed people in ceremonial law? Things that they had to do every day to show reverence and respect for Him. Just because He wanted to help them use their time? No, because He wanted to build into them something that would continually remind them of their reverence for Him. And so it's very important to understand this principle. What your dreams are does not determine what you will be. What you do every day determines what you will be. Therefore, when you train kids, or when you are responsible for those under you, then you are responsible to teach them things that will help. When you train kids, manners are very important. I know, you'd, I know you, you think that's old-fashioned. and you know, well, A guy comes from the 40s and 50s. Well, yes, I do. But manners have the same effect on us that ceremonial law used to have on the Jews because it teaches us when we say thank you, when we open the door for somebody else, man or woman, when we say ma'am and sir, it teaches us, it reminds us to respect every person. Very important. And it says, in the instruction of the Lord. Let me tell you one more thing then I'll sit down. Righteousness in the Bible is not just right behavior. Righteousness in the Bible, if you were to take that word and do a word study from the beginning to the end of the Bible you would come to this definition. Righteousness is meeting the demands of a relationship, whether with God or with men. Authority is preparing people to meet the demands of a relationship. It's not about control. It's about love. It's about caring for people. Ken Davis told a story one time. I'll close with this. When he was a youth pastor, he used to take kids on these these trips down white water rafting. And there was this one kid who just was flat angry. I mean, he'd been in trouble with the law. He'd gotten kicked out of school. He was just trouble on wheels. But this kid showed up three weeks in a row to go on that week-long camping trip. And he always had this very elaborate note from his mother saying, It's fine if my son goes I'm so glad he's with you. Thank you for taking, and he's been excused from school. Well, you're, you're I mean, if you're a, a youth pastor for a while, you just start to wonder about stuff. And and so the third, after the third week, he just got curious, and he, he went to this kid's house, knocked on the door, and there was this mom sitting in there, you know. He said, your son's uh, going on the... Uh, Raft with me for three weeks now. She said, oh yeah, really? He said, don't you know that? No, I don't know that. I'm just glad he's not here. I don't care where he is. Ken Davis said, you mean to tell me you didn't write those notes? What notes? I told you, I don't care where he is as long as he's out of my sight. So Davis went back to this kid. This kid is just mad. He's just angry. And Ken looked at him and he said, "I, I, I just got a question to ask you here. I'm not mad. I'm just wondering. Why in the world, if you knew your mother didn't care if you went on these trips, why did you go to all the trouble of writing these elaborate permission letters? And he said, for the first time, I saw this kid show some emotion. He started to fight back some tears. And he looked at me and he said, I just wanted you to think that somebody cared about me that much. Authority is not about control. Authority is about caring. It's about showing somebody you love how much you love them. Pray with me. God, thank you that you love us enough to exercise authority in our lives. Thank you that we can't be content with a word like spirituality, (laughs) which is basically a touchy-feely, nebulous, foggy, whatever-we-feel kind of deal. That's just silly. Thank you, God, that you have given us what is solid, and what is concrete and what demands obedience, not for your control but for our well-being, help us to communicate that same kind of love and care to our children and to those given in to our realms of authority. We pray this in the name of the most obedient Jesus Christ.